Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, everybody. This is Kristen. Liz and I have been pretty busy this last week getting up a ton of awesome holiday gift guides on Cool Mom Picks, Cool Mom Eats, and Cool Mom Tech. So we decided we were going to reshare one of our favorite episodes from a couple of years ago that you may have heard or may not have, but if you did, it's been a couple of years. It's all about gratitude and a really cool project that our friend and author and podcaster Nancy Davis Co. did a couple of years ago. We think that it's the perfect thing that you need to hear right now as we're all caught up in the hustle and bustle of the holidays, not to mention everything that's happening with this ongoing pandemic. We hope you love this episode and everything that it's about as much as we do. Welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase, and along with Liz Gumbiner, I'm the co-founder of CoolMomPicks.com. Liz will be back next week. Today, I'm flying solo with our guest, Nancy Davis Coe, our friend and fellow podcaster who has a new book called The Thank You Project. That surprise is all about gratitude, and it comes out on December 3rd. And as always, we will close out our show with our cool picks of the week. We'll be back to talk to Nancy right after this. This episode of Spawned is brought to you by Verbo. You may know them as VRBO, and we're so excited to welcome them back as a sponsor, especially considering we've used them to find our own work-life balance, you know, through time away with our families. This year, they've compiled some really fascinating data in their 2022 trend report that you might find interesting as you consider fitting time away into your own work-life journey. All right, so let's get a little data nerd here. It's probably no surprise to you that 77% of families agree that they have a greater appreciation for separating professional and personal life. And with remote work and virtual school, families have been staying longer and they've been more flexible with their travel dates. In fact, 59% of families are more likely to take a two-week vacation with 30% more likely to take a sabbatical. There has been a 68% increase in 21 to 30-day stays on Verbo, and 44% of families are more likely to work remotely from a place that's not their home. Whether you're looking to get away completely or you're considering changing settings to help increase your productivity, head over to Verbo to check out their entire 2022 trend report or to make a reservation for your next trip. Hey, tell us where you're going. That's vrbo.com, verbo.com. Okay, so let me tell you a little bit about our guest, Nancy Davis Coe. She's a freelance writer whose work has appeared in The Washington Post, San Francisco Chronicle, Us Magazine, you know, just small little publications you might have heard of. She covers the years between being hip 
and breaking one, which we love at midlifemixtape.com and on the Midlife Mixtape podcast, which you should subscribe to right now while you're listening. Nancy's book, The Thank You Project, Cultivating Happiness One Letter of Gratitude at a Time, will be out just I don't know, very soon, December 3rd. So we're so excited to chat with her about gratitude. Welcome, Nancy. Kristen, thank you so much for, that was the best, most upbeat intro I've ever heard. And you are now officially my hype woman. Just travel with me everywhere. <laughs> yes, thank I'm you happy for to introduce you. <laughs> All right, so let's get started by, in honor of Liz, who is our resident data nerd, talking a little bit about research, because I know we've probably all, you in particular, know a lot about the research that comes with this power of gratitude and how it affects the mind and the body. But I'm wondering, just from a, at a personal level, why do you think gratitude is so powerful? Well, the book came about because uh, the year I was going to turn 50, so I was celebrating a milestone birthday, and I keep trying to tell people it was 21, but no nobody's buying it. I was turning 50 and I was feeling like I needed to stop and sort of acknowledge all the people who had helped me get to that point in my life. I was very fortunate. My parents were around. My husband and I have been married, you know, at that point it was 24 years. We, our kids were healthy and it just seemed silly of me to not stop and take a moment and think about how lucky I was to have had so much support to getting to that point in my life. So it was a really simple project. I just decided the year that I turned 50, I'm a 1966 baby, uh, so it was 2016, I would write one letter each week to someone who had helped or shaped or inspired me. Those were my three rules. So just figure out somebody who helped me along the way. That was all I was going to do. It was just going to be these simple letters. Well, it ended up being a really tough year personally. I had some pretty significant loss. And then it was also the last presidential election year. I don't know if you remember that one, Kristen. Kind of rough. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so everybody was carrying around this weight of anxiety and stress. And I would find myself feeling so sad or, you know, my, you know, feeling anxious. And I realized that the minute I sat down each week to write one of these letters, whether it was to a childhood friend or a really great boss I'd had who'd helped me, you know, find the career I wanted or a family member, I would literally feel my shoulders sink as I wrote. I would feel my breath return to normal instead of, you know, sh shallow and panicky. And all these kind of physiological responses in my body, but also obviously mentally, because knowing each week that I had to fill up a page with gratitude for someone made me really start scanning the environment around me for things to be grateful for. You know, I would know that I was going to be writing a letter in the coming week to my friend Maureen. So I would kind of think all week long, oh, remember that time Maureen did this for me? Or that was so great the way Maureen encouraged me to do that. And so it was kind of a muscle that was getting a workout, you know, this practice of just having to notice these things. So anyway, fast forward, I finished my 50 letters. I realized that I'm feeling so much better than when I started. I'm realizing that I've come through a tough year, feeling a deeper sense of resiliency and kind of connection to the people around me. And when I decided to write a book to hopefully encourage people to do this for themselves, I knew that I wanted to dive into the science because A, I love research. As a freelance writer, one of my favorite things is when an editor gives me an assignment that I know nothing about because I know I can then ask the questions that the reader is going to ask if they also don't know anything about it. So I feel like I'm your guinea pig. I'll ask all the stupid questions that you're thinking and are, you know don't want to say out loud. So I really dig research, but I also wanted to make sure 
in writing the book that I wasn't, you know, the equivalent of a gratitude super taster or something. Maybe, you know, was it just me? Maybe nobody else is going to get this effect when they do gratitude letters. So lucky for me, right up the street at UC Berkeley is the Greater Good Science Center, which studies the psychology and neuroscience of happiness and gratitude and all the positive emotions that accrue to those. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's a great resource. They've got a blog. They've got a podcast, too. You can just go to their website, and it's you know, they just have a ton of resources there. And what I found out was, yes, indeed, gratitude works. Not only does it work, but I stumbled into the number one tactic that happiness researchers use to test the impact of gratitude. They make people write gratitude letters. I was like, wow, I didn't know that. You're ahead of the curve. Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, there's lots of research that's been quantified as a benefit of expressing gratitude. And I want to be clear, you don't have to write a letter for these things to happen. And I say that throughout the book because I, obviously, I think you should write the letter. I wrote 50 of them and then I wrote a book about them. But even just what I was going through, even just that process of thinking about things to write about has a positive impact. And what it does is it creates something called positive recall bias. So it's evolutionarily adaptive for us to notice negative things first, because when we were living in caves and running away from bears, we needed to... that makes sense. Yeah, you needed to... You have to be able to identify the risk, right? The thing is, in 2019, very few of us are running away from bears. So the the negative things that we see are the traffic jams or the bill that we're going to have trouble paying or you know, or Twitter. Uh, yeah, Twitter is our and, bear. <laughs> right. That is our bear. And it triggers that exact same fight or flight mechanism as our forebearers had when they were in real physical danger. So what we need to counterbalance that is a tendency to look for positive things instead. And when you do that, when you make that deliberate attempt to find something positive to focus on, it triggers the parasympathetic nervous system to calm down. It triggers your nervous system to just you relax. It's going to be okay. So all of these physiological and mental things that I was feeling, I was able to read about in research that actual scientists in labs had discovered. So I felt good about that. I'm not sure I would have gone ahead with this if I couldn't find that kind of quantified information to back up what I was experiencing. It's so powerful. You know, we hear a lot of people who say even just the act of saying out loud, this is what I'm grateful for today. I mean, that's what I do with my kids on the way to school. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what are Mm -hmm. you grateful for today? And oddly enough, or happily, none of them complain about it and they just name things off. And some of them might seem silly and some of them might seem deep depending on the day and how things were the morning before we left. But there is great power in that. And to think about writing an entire letter, I imagine, like you said, thinking about what you were going to say, all the memories throughout the week, just this notion that it can be physiologically effective is so exciting. And they've tied it to better quality of sleep, Mm. decreased blood pressure. Some studies are suggesting that it can help with asthma control. So like you, I do the same, you know, if I wake up because I'm a little older than you, so I have the 4 a.m., hi, I'm wide awake. Let me solve all the problems of the world while I lay here. And uh, (laughs) excuse me, that was grammatically incorrect, and we're not going to do that on this show. So let me solve all the problems of the world while I lie here. Uh, (laughs) But what I... (laughs) But what I do is I try to think of three things that I'm grateful for. And I do find that that helps me go back to sleep more easily. And I figured that out in researching this. I also think as a parent, that is such a powerful tool to give to your kids, that ability to on command, okay, I'm feeling stressed, I'm feeling whatever. 
I can just think about things that I'm grateful for and I can get myself to reset. I think that is such a valuable coping mechanism you're teaching your kids. Yeah. I mean, we need it ourselves. Our kids need it. So, I'm, and I know your kids are older. So when you started this project, you had older kids, but I, I'm just curious, did it affect your relationship with them? Like, how can you see it change a parenting relationship or what we teach our kids if we have younger, you know, my kids are nine up through 15. I know we've got listeners with little ones and older kids and no kids. Just curious your thoughts on its relationship to parenting in general. Well, when I was writing these letters, the girls, I have two daughters, they were 15 and 18 at the time. And I had this grand plan that I was going to have the letters that I wrote to them and my husband be the last three that I wrote, you know, sort of the grand finale. And then partway through the year, I lost my dad. And it was very sudden. And it was a shock. Um, You know, we did not know that he was ill, and he was diagnosed and gone six weeks later. And it was such a shock to my system. And part of the shock came from thinking, I have not told my husband and daughters why I'm thankful for them. Why would I wait to do that? Why did I put them all the way at the end of my list? So I had this kind of frantic reaction Mm. of, I've got to tell them right away because you don't know. You never know, right? So I sat down and wrote thank you letters to my daughters, which is funny because as a mother, the tendency is to think, you girls should thank me for everything, (laughs) you know? I was very much in the inverse of that mindset a lot of the time, and uh, I still think that. But what I loved about writing letters to my kids is, first of all, they're very different girls. They're three years apart, but they shared one activity. They both were uh, ballerinas at the Oakland Ballet School. So they were together a lot. They had a lot of common interests, and I felt like writing the letters was really a way to take a pause and see my daughters for the individuals who they are. And I loved that. I I don't know that I would have otherwise sat down and thought about the fact that, boy, that older daughter is so confident in herself. She has such a clear sense of who she is and what she's about that I take inspiration from that. I look at her and she will not compromise her vision or her ambition because everybody else thinks you should do this or that. She's just really straight ahead. She's not mean about it. She's just got this very reassuring confidence about herself. So that was something I included in her letter that she inspires me that way. And then the younger daughter is the hardest working person I know. And she will sit down with the homework problem and just go at it from nine different directions until she finds her way into it. And as a writer, that ability to have role models who model perseverance for you is critical. And that was something that I take from her. And so I really enjoyed writing these two letters and just telling my kids that I see them individually and that I learn from them and that I'm grateful for them. It was a load off my mind to have those letters written. That's a good thing to know that my girls will take with them out into the wider world. The other piece of it, coming back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, I think regardless of your child's age, I think kids need hope. Kids need to know that they matter and that they are connected to a broader community. They're not just moving through the world on their own. And that lesson can start however young your children are. And suggesting to your kids that they write these letters, that's where I think it can be really powerful. You know, as each of the letters that I wrote piled up, it was a reminder that I've faced hard things before. Surely I will face them again. 
but I have all these people around me who've been there for me. And I have a network of people who will help me when I stumble inevitably in the future. And I think that model of resiliency, that reassurance to kids, it's a scary time, especially if you have teenagers. I know, um, you know, some of our listeners are have younger kids, but they'll be teenagers eventually. It's a scary time for teenagers. It doesn't matter what era you are a teenager in, everything feels dramatic. Everything right. feels big. Right. And so to give your kid through the suggestion that they write some thank you letters, give them this tool that they have this network of people who will support them, I think takes a little fire out of the worry and the fear that can hold our kids back and it can restore hope. I can't think of a better skill for kids to take out in the world. And I'll just, if I can just indulge with one story, I just heard a friend of mine from grad school just reached out to let me know that her daughter is studying abroad and we're recording this a little bit before Thanksgiving. Her daughter is already feeling a little bit wistful because she's not coming home for Thanksgiving and she's living far from the United States and can't get a proper turkey dinner where she is. But she told her mom, she said, I remembered your friend wrote this book about gratitude. So what I'm going to do is go to a park and write thank you letters to people on Thanksgiving. And I was ready to cry because that's such a beautiful thing to do. I mean, this this young woman is special, you know, really lovely kid. But I think that impulse to, instead of worry about your own problems, instead to turn around and express gratitude instead, that's a powerful tool to have in your tool belt. Yep. And honestly, since we basically all celebrate Thanksgiving with complete inaccuracy, (laughs) historically, (laughs) we might as well take the one component that is meaningful and so powerful, which is the gratefulness and gratitude and thankfulness and use that in a positive way. You know, I hadn't thought about this project in the sense of it creating a village for our kids and for us too, reminding us, especially if you have people who live far away, if you, you know, were at some point very far away from your family, as I was, went to grad school and most of my adult life has been away from my family. And so this idea of reminding yourself that there is a village, reminding your kids that they have a village, they have a team of people around them is so powerful. And also just this notion of calling out the positive things in your kids. You know, it is easy, like you said, sort of like we're running away from a bear in the same sense with our kids too, that it's so easy to be like, why did you get this grade? And what are you doing? And to flip that and be like, wow, like, you know, one of the things I say to my daughter all the time, and this is a funny story to share that is not the opposite, but (laughs) of your story, but my daughter got her tongue stuck in between her teeth. And around her braces, if you can imagine that. I know, she's 11. Poor thing. thing. I don't even know how she physically did it. (laughs) But I remember we're sitting in the car. Our body's amazing. It is amazing, (laughs) right? You just, people are like, wait, I don't understand. And I'm like, I don't really either. But let's just say I could see her tongue peeking out from in between her bottom teeth. It was very, very scary. And she had, you know, went to the dentist. We had it all taken care of. And I looked at her and I said, you know, you have an amazing ability to do hard things. And, and I bought these mantra bands with this custom saying on it, you can do hard things. I actually got it tattooed on my arm. But this girl, she time and time again stands up and perseveres through so many hard things. And I think oftentimes we just kind of write those things off. It's like, oh, you scraped your knee or you got stitches, like you're brave. But this idea that you have so much resilience and you're getting right back up again. And th- these, this is a story that you'll be able to tell for years and years. 
just pointing those positive things out about our kids that aren't necessarily related to like, you got an A in math or you scored a goal. Like you said, the abilities, those things you see in your kids to me, just through a thank you letter is so amazing. I'm curious though, this idea of writing a letter, it's very 2019 to send a text or like my least favorite thing, put up on social media your thank you, right? Like, thanks so much for this Sure. Gift. Well, you want, you want to get credit from everybody yes. you don't know that you said thank you. You want yes. everyone in the world to see that. <laughs> and like, it's like a shout out to the person who sent it to you. So talk to me a little bit about the importance of writing. Now I'm a, like writing is in writing. I mean, typing's great, but writing, actual writing is so personal in its own way, right? Can you talk more about that? Well, I will say first, mea culpa, I typed mine because at this point, no one can read my handwriting. Well, that's it's, the and, other thing. You know, apologies thing to Mrs. Too. Dyer, second grade when, when I had beautiful <laughs> cursive. But, and I say this throughout the book, whatever is the thing that will make it more likely that you will continue writing thank you letters, that's your thing. Nobody's in charge. If the idea of sitting down and handwriting a note means that you will never write one, then that's not a good solution. Then type. Then type. That's what I did. Uh, But I will talk about the importance of the physical artifact of a letter in the digital era. And the durability of these letters should not be underestimated. I mean, handing your kid a thank you note, like the one that I've talked about, you know, that goes off to college with them. That rides around in a backpack when they're having a bad day. That sits on the nightstand. And beyond my children, I know for a fact that some of the people who got my letters do exactly that. They've held on to the letters I wrote. And I mean, my dad framed the letter that I wrote him because he's adorable. And so, lovely. you know, at a time when we are more likely to express our gratitude in ways that are ephemeral and go away and there's no permanent record, the power of actually handing a physical letter to somebody, you can't underestimate that. The other thing is, I kept copies of every letter I wrote. So I have this book, I, I went and had it bound at the copy shop. So I have a book of 50 letters that I keep on my own nightstand. And I look at it all the time. I literally was looking at it two days ago. And now it's a four-year-old book. But just that reminder that I have so many people, like I can feel the weight in my hands of how many people have helped me. And that's really reassuring. So I do think there's something really powerful to the durability of the written word. And um, the other thing is, you don't have to send all the letters that you write. So I know a lot of people, when they hear this, think I might feel uncomfortable giving a letter to somebody. What if I feel weird, you know, thanking them from out of the blue? And I try to address that in the book by saying that doesn't happen. It really, people love getting these letters, I can assure you. But when I thought about it, I realized that there were people who had helped and shaped me with whom I'm no longer in contact. So, you know, some ex-boyfriends and a really terrible boss that I had who was so awful that I quit at just the right time because I started grad school and met my husband just before he graduated. So if this guy hadn't made me like so crazy that I had to quit, I might have waited to start grad school and then I would not be married to this man. So those kinds of letters I enjoyed writing because it gives you a chance to look at the situation from a different perspective. You know, you can learn things and be grateful for things that seemed negative at the time, but over the long haul turned out to be a positive step for you, but you don't have to mail those letters. (laughs) I'm just thinking about the movie, or it's actually a New York Times bestselling book. It's called To All the Boys I've Loved Before. Exactly. I don't know if you're familiar with it. It's by Jenny Han. And it's Mm -hmm. just so funny because it's, you know, the whole premise of if people haven't read it or seen it, basically she writes these letters to boys 
toys that she likes or have liked, and her little sister puts them in the mail. <laughs> I know. I when I watched that, my I was like, oh god, I'm so cringy. Well, yes. I did have to, and just so you know, when you write a book about writing letters that you don't send, Ooh. there is some requirement to reach out to some of those people. I did have to actually tell people. Um, I wrote a book, and if you read it, you will probably recognize uh, oh, no. a scenario. Yeah, <laughs> that's awkward. And, and one of the one of my exes is like, "Great, I'll call you tomorrow." And I'm like, "No, no, 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 no need to call. call. Yeah, no, no, need no. To call. that's just trying to alert you. So write the letters. Don't write a book about writing the letters. There you go. Well, you did that for us. And what I find so fascinating about the Thank You Project, this your new book, it's coming out soon, Cultivating Happiness, One Letter of Gratitude at a Time, is that it is a how-to, right? So it does help people do this project themselves, but you also weave in your own experience, what happened, how it worked for you throughout the book. And it's done so beautifully. So congratulations on that. So talk to me a little bit about how it works. So if someone wants to gift this, I mean, it's the holiday season, it's the perfect time, you know, maybe someone will send this with an accompanying thank you letter to someone, you know, what will people get when they grab the thank you project at wherever their local bookstore, their library, all the uh, online resources that people can use to buy books these days? Well, I have to give a shout out to the book designer. The final copy arrived at my house last week and I burst into tears because I'm so aesthetically challenged. All I said to them is, I like blue. And I just (laughs) prayed for the best. And they just made this beautiful turquoise little gift size. It's a six by eight hardcover and it's got gorgeous end papers with floral illustrations. So I just couldn't be happier with how it turned out. I wanted it to be very actionable. So it's a how-to in the sense that the whole first chapter is about this is how you make your list of people, and this is how you might want to get organized for writing your letters, and here's some writing prompts, and here's things to think about. So my hope is that by the time you finish chapter one, you have a pretty clear sense of how you could do it for yourself. And I was able to find a few other people who had done very similar writing projects, but with different parameters. So I included the story of a woman I met who wrote a hundred thank you letters in a hundred days. Wow. That is not something I could have done, but she (laughs) loved it. She thought that was great. And then somebody else, well, if any of your listeners remember the Go-Go's, it was bassist Kathy Valentine of the Go-Go's who uh, has been a past guest on my podcast. And I found out that for her 50th birthday, she wrote thank you letters and put them on the place settings for 50 people who came to her 50th birthday party. So she said everybody was a mess. They were crying at her birthday party reading the letters. That's so powerful. What a wonderful thing to do. I know. So that's what I tried to give a bunch of different examples so that people recognize that there's lots of different ways to do this. And that's in part why I include snippets from some of my letters throughout the book, because it's just to give you an idea of this is how I did it. Maybe this will make you think of how you could do it. So that's the first part of the book. And then the whole rest of it is just brainstorming the kinds of people to whom you might want to write, because some of them are not obvious. I mean, I think everybody could very quickly say, well, I should be grateful for my family and friends. Sure. And, you know, I talk about some of that and some of the complicated feelings that especially family relationships can bring up. A lot of us have blended families and family relationships can be complex and you are shaped from both positive and negative experiences in your life. So I just tried to make it really inclusive, but 
I found as I continued writing my letters week after week that I was getting, again, with that gratitude muscle getting stronger, I was thinking, okay, helped, shaped, or inspired me. Well, I got to write a letter to the doctor who delivered my babies because she was amazing and my girls were delivered safely and nobody can take that for granted. So I wrote to my obstetrician and then I wrote to their pediatric nurse because she was the constant in that practice. The pediatricians turned over, but this one nurse, Jen, stood next to me and stared at those girls on the examining table like a hundred thousand times over the years and I still you know when I see her around town I give her a huge hug because she was just so reassuring when I was a new mom that I was doing okay and she flagged things for me that I would not have known so you know like that and then I thought well if I don't have to send the letters I could write to the cities I've lived in because like you I've lived far away from my family for a long time I lived in Munich during a pretty formative time of my life I've lived in Oakland California for 22 years hello uh shout out to the 510 (laughs) (laughs) And I know that's part of why I am the way I am. So really, towards the end, I was just writing to concepts. (laughs) You know, Jane Austen, she can't read it, but I think she'd enjoy the letter. So um, (laughs) the book just tries to help the reader really throw a broad net of things that they may want to express gratitude for. And what a wonderful way to institute a gratitude practice into your life, because from everything I've read, right, like this idea of gratitude changing you and a affecting you physiologically and mentally, as we talked about at the top of the show, it really does need to be a regular practice. So I'm curious, you know, obviously beyond the Thank You Project, and you're done now. So I'm curious, like, what are some things that you do to help foster the gratitude practice in your life? Or what would you tell our listeners if they're interested in doing something, you know, along with writing these letters? You know, what are some other things that you have found or have tried yourself that you could suggest? Well, first of all, I have to say, I am actually not done because... Because as I wrote the book and quantified all of the benefits of doing it, I was like, you dummy, why'd you stop at 50? So I'm still writing letters. And in fact, I'm writing one today to my hairdresser because she always makes sure my beat is correct. And you and I were talking before we started recording about some hair issues. And you know, it's important to have a really good hairdresser in your life. So that's today's letter. And I got to think about Dana all week. And so I'm looking forward to that. So I do still write them, not as consistently as I was doing during that one year, but I recognize when it's time to write when I can tell when I'm getting the anxiety, the stress, whatever, whatever's building up. And I think, okay, just calm down. Think of somebody you need to write a letter to. So I still do that. I talked about the thinking of three things to be grateful for. And I try to do that consistently every day. But I would say for listeners, something that you can do for yourself and with your kids is think of three people who have helped or shaped or inspired you up to this point, And then just think about how they did it. Because as I say in the book, it's one thing to say, oh, Kristen, you're so nice. I mean, <laughs> oh, okay, thanks. Well, That's thanks. Your... I mean, nobody doesn't want to hear that. But sure, sure. If you instead say, Kristen, you're so supportive of my podcast and you have always, you know, helped me get the word out. And when I have technical problems with things, I know that I can go to you as a resource. The more specific you can be, I think the more it sticks. And so I would say, think of somebody who you are in contact with all the time, those people that are so important to us that we don't know what we would do without them. And strangely enough, we never tell them thank you because we just assume that they're going to do that. So that's the first person. The second person I would say, try to think of somebody from your past, somebody from your childhood, somebody from an old job, somebody from a school experience, and how you might not be in touch with them now, but maybe at the time they shaped you in a profound way and in a way that's still present 
present in who you are today. And then think of somebody who you've never actually talked to. So an author or a celebrity or a spiritual leader or something like that, because we do get influenced by people that we aren't necessarily in contact with. And I would say, think of those three people, think of what specifically they've brought to you and encourage your kids to do the same thing. And once you do it, I'm not telling you you have to write those three letters. You could, but, <laughs> <laughs> but even just thinking about it, you're already sort of on your way towards practicing that positive recall bias and not running away from the bear. Ugh, I love this. And you know, the new year is very, very close. And our family, we don't necessarily do resolutions, but for me, it's a time to start something new. And I think something like this project would be a great way for families who are looking to do something to start 2020 off right. I love this idea and the notion of going beyond just like they're cool or they're nice and really thinking about how they affected you. Because I imagine when you do that, you can also think about how you might want to be more like those people, how you might want to adopt what those people did for you into your own life, into the way that you treat other people. So that's very deep. What a wonderful way to instill gratitude in ourselves and our kids. Okay, so the book comes out. It's called The Thank You Project cultivating happiness one letter of gratitude at a time it's out december 3rd and you can find it at your local bookstore ask for it at your library you can go to amazon.com all of those places and nancy where can we get more of you if our listeners want to connect with you on social media that sort of thing the best place to go is my website davisco.com so it's d-a-v-i-s-k-h-o.com and from there you can get to the midlife mixtape blog or the Midlife Mixtape podcast. The podcast is available wherever you listen. And uh, the Midlife Mixtape blog is just midlifemixtape.com. And I'm all over social media as at Midlife Mixtape. So, uh, and when I say all over, not on Snapchat. I don't get it. I don't like no, it. I'm we're not, not on, on it either. Nope, so. nope. <laughs> Twitter, the big ones. The big Twitter, ones you're on. Exactly. Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And I have to say just one more plug, given that I have the uh, blog and the podcast with Mixtape in the name, there are playlists in the book. And I love I have, that part of the book. I love it so much. I find it weird when I get to the end of a chapter and there isn't a playlist. So I was thrilled that they let me do that. And I've got them all up on on Spotify if you want to listen to them. That oh, was a that's little, great. little project that my college daughter did for me this summer. So look for at Davis Co. on Spotify and all the playlists are there to listen to. Oh, that's so much fun. And actually, we will link that stuff up. We have a Cool Mom Picks podcast page. So we'll link up your website, your social, and some of the playlists, of course, along with your book. And you're going to stick around for Cool Picks of the Week, right? I am indeed. Okay, so we will be right back with those after this. Hey! It's Kristen, and I am here to tell you about our newest sponsor, Bombus Socks. I know, I know, you may have heard about them, you may have seen their ads, but let me tell you, I bought a pair of Bombus Socks just on a whim, because I was like, I'm going to try these out. I'm going to see what all the hype is. I think I bought them like five or six years ago, and I still have the same pair of socks. Of course, they have gotten even cooler, even more stylish, and even though my hair is a little grayer, my pants are a little bigger, my socks are still the same. So why do people love them so much? Why do we love them so much? Let me tell you. First of all, super comfortable. And you know that they wash really well if I'm still wearing the same pair I got five years ago. 
That's the second thing. And the third thing is that whenever you buy a pair of Bombas socks, they donate a pair to people experiencing homelessness. And over the last however many years, it's been millions and millions of socks. So just know that when you purchase a pair, whether you're buying teacher gifts, stocking stuffers, gifts for your family or yourself, you're also helping people who need it most this holiday season. To make your purchase, go to bombas.com and place your order. You know, hey, order soon. It's the middle of December. You want to get them in time for the holidays? Order now. That's bombas.com, B-O-M-B-A-S. All right, Nancy, it's time for... Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! And you are our guest, so you get to go first. Okay, I'm wondering if you've already read this. I just finished reading Dear Girls by Ali Wong. I have not. I oh, have not read it. So good. She's vulgar, but yes, I love her. I love her too. And it is full of surprisingly sound advice. And I, of course, I love the fact that it's a mom writing to her two daughters then as little girls, because my girls are so big now that I enjoy that little trip down memory lane. But <laughs> aside from the complete, you know, vulgar stuff that she includes there, which is endlessly entertaining, she has some really good advice about, you know, when you go to the hospital to give birth, these are things you should bring. And I thought, gosh, I wish somebody had given me that list. That's a really good list. And there's also, so my husband is half Chinese. My kids are Hapa. Uh, they're each a quarter, and we take Asian food very, very seriously in this house. Well, and house. I am too. So I my kids are. are quarter Asian, and I'm right. half Asian. So I love this. I'm so excited. Continue. Well, now. have you seen <laughs> have you seen the table she provides in the book of how to tell whether yes. a restaurant is good or bad yes. based on certain signifiers? That is my favorite thing in the book. <laughs> And as the white person in the family, sometimes when we go to an Asian restaurant and I look around and say, ooh, there's too many white people here. I don't think it's going to be good. They all look at me accusingly and I'm like, I know, I know. I'm bringing down the average. I'm sorry. So anyway, loved that book. And there's a lot going on with the book launch right now and I'm having a hard time focusing on anything that isn't book launch related, but I sat down and devoured that book in two days. So wow. That's and I my love cool her. mom She's pick. She's super funny. It is She's a cool great. mom pick. And we will of course link all of our cool picks of the week up on our podcast page. Mine, I admit, Nancy, I had to go thematic with my cool pick of the week. And it's the new USPS Operation Santa, where you can actually adopt a letter to Santa <gasps> this holiday season. I want to do that. Here's how it works. They have uploaded scans of tons of letters from kids from low-income families who are asking for everything from jackets to toys to shoes. They've even got families. They've even got grandparents and parents. And what you can do is go over to the USPS Operation Santa website. We'll link it up. You can choose a letter. And then once you sign in, which I admit is a little complicated, but you know, it, it is, is the USPS. USPS. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a little complicated, but once you get there, you can actually adopt a letter and make a child's wish come true. And you know, it's really cool. I'm a handwriting fanatic. I love handwritten letters. I love, I actually don't write them as much because I type mine like you did in your uh, book, Nancy, but you get to see everyone's handwriting. You get to see the cute letters from kids and the touching letters from parents and grandparents. It's really beautiful. So, you know, just had to bring up letters for my cool pick of the week, but it's the USPS Operation Santa and go over and adopt a letter to Santa this holiday season. Um, Speaking of a wonderful way to teach your kids gratitude and the time of year where it is most important, I think. I love that idea. I'm checking it out as soon as we finish up here. What a great way to make a difference. Yes. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Spawned. Huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. 
And, of course, our guest, Nancy Davis Coe. Make sure to check out her new book, The Thank You Project, and subscribe to her podcast. There are a few things that you can do to help us spread the word and support Spawned. Subscribe, download, or save our episodes, leave us a five-star review, and honestly, the best thing you can do right now, tell a friend or family member about our podcast. If you're a listener, then you're already a part of our Spawn podcast community, but if you want to make it official, you can join us on Facebook. You can find our group through the link on our podcast page, or just search Spawn podcast community on Facebook. We would love to have you join us to chat about everything we talk about here, as well as anything else you want to chat about. Thanks so much for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. Liz will be back next week. Have a great day. Bye.